0: hello and welcome back to the digital sociology podcast in this episode i'm talking to maria soilova who is a research fellow at the london school of economics Um, and i'm talking about her project which looks at the lives and experiences risks opportunities um, of uh, children around the world in relation to their internet use so very much um, theme which has come up a few times in the interviews um, I've been doing for this podcast. So here's my chat with Maria. Hello again so now I'm talking to uh, Maria Stoilova who is a postdoctoral research officer um, at uh, the London School of Economics. So hi Maria. Hi. How are you doing?
1: Yeah good thanks. Uh,
0: Thanks for talking to me. uh, so I've um, been looking forward to talking to you because you are working on this uh, I think really uh, interesting uh, project which I think is has a lot of uh, relevance to the a lot of the stuff we're talking about in the podcast and so this is so this is called uh, Global Kids Online mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's right yeah and um, so it's broadly about children's rights in the digital age but I think right. using a lot of kind of interesting sort of participatory methods mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as well yeah as part of this yeah so could you tell me a bit about the project mm-hmm. uh, wh- wh- well specifically what you've been doing on it
1: Yes. So, uh, the project is co-organised by the London School of Economics and myself and Professor Sonia Livingstone, who is also based here at the Department of Media and Communications and also uh, the UNICEF Office of Research in Urchenti. So together we organise this global project on children's online risks and opportunities. Um, we work with uh, a number of countries um, and with research partners in these countries and UNICEF offices so so far we have participants in uh, initially argentina serbia south africa and the philippines um, and then the network uh, grew and we've got new countries like brazil bulgaria chile ghana uh, not missing anyone montenegro uruguay uh, and more countries are joining so the idea of the project is to create really a comparable um, database uh, where we can think about children's online uh, opportunities and risk uh, in a global context. Uh, Because there's uh, quite a bit of research, but it's very patchy uh, and it's very difficult to compare and make any sort of conclusions about how are children doing. Uh, Is the internet making their lives better or is it creating more inequalities? So we wanted to work together to create this methodology that can work in a global context to help illuminate what are the current issues.
0: So it's kind of a, um, a standardised or, or at least adaptable kind of methodology that can be used in all those different contexts. And you've you been working on developing the methodology? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: So we've used some of the methodology that was already developed by uh, a network called EU Kids Online. It's a number of countries uh, who um, worked on this for quite a number of years. Uh, and we've tried to take this and adopt it based on uh, the expertise that we had from countries in the global south. So we wanted to pilot uh, what we create and co-create it with research partners. So the piloting countries were uh, Argentina, Serbia, South Africa and the Philippines. So we worked with uh, research institutions uh, and UNICEF offices in these countries to try to think what are the key issues that they want to, uh, to talk about and adapted and created and tested the methodology in these four countries. Um, and then all of this is available online and researchers can uh, use that. So we have um, a survey, uh, a modular survey, which covers um, a lot of issues um, related to children's use of the internet. Um, and then we have uh, qualitative tools uh, and we also have methodological guides on key issues Uh, that researchers need to think about, so starting from ethics, uh, going through uh, participatory methods uh, to comparability um, and then into sexual exploitation, so a wide range of of topics have been uh, discussed by experts providing guidance. So we've uh, created this toolkit that is, as I said, uh, freely available under Creative Commons uh, license that we're hoping that researchers can start using all over the world and keep in touch and um, help the network grow and the information the comparable information on children's digital lives, um, you know, emerge from from the new findings.
0: So, what kinds of things have you been focusing on, um, or, or, or some of the aspects? Um, so, you mentioned sort of about sexual exploitation mm-hmm. um, and. what
1: what other kinds of issues? Okay so we work with a model actually got it here but uh, sadly we can't show it to (laughs) the listeners but um, it has several levels so it has individual level social level and country level so Mm. when we talk about children's online experiences it's very important to um, have a really holistic view of what is involved and what are the factors that create the positive and negative outcomes for children so we have uh, questions that relate to uh, issues um, linked to the individual level so uh, children's identities and resources, uh, things like uh, gender, age, socioeconomic background, um, education uh, and so on that filtering. Then the other areas that uh, we explore is access, so what kind of access do children have, uh, for how long they they stay online, what kind of uh, digital devices they use to go online. Uh, and then we um, explore their practices and skills. So what is it that they do when they go on online? Uh, what skills do they have? Because um, a lot of the, the debate around children's la- uh, rights and in the digital age particularly is very interesting because we've got these polarized views around uh, children being the, the digital experts, the digital natives, who don't need any support. So they, they should be left on their own to do what they do best. Uh, which is obviously not the case because there's a lot of inequalities and children, especially at younger ages, need more support, they need to gain uh, new skills. Uh, but also the opposite is that the innocent child which needs protection uh, and there's a lot of uh, restrictive uh, regulations of children online use which focuses a lot on risk and I'm thinking about. Uh, you know media and policy uh, tend to focus a lot on risk rather than look at opportunities. so it's important to uh, think about this uh, together to think about the risks and opportunities um, as well. Um, So um, the the other interesting aspect is the digital determinist view where you think that if children have access to the internet they're going to get the skills and they're going to be fine and it's going to change their life for the better. Uh, This is why looking at access is important but it doesn't uh, finished. The, the picture doesn't finish with that. So you need to actually look at what kind of skills the children have. What is it that they can do and they can't do? Are they actually taking advantage of the full uh, opportunities, the full range of opportunities that exist for them? Or are they just watching YouTube videos? What is it that they do online? And this is where the differences uh, in, in terms of inequalities matter, in terms of um, you know how much time children can spend online, what kind of devices they use as well, but also what kind of skills do they get when they do that. Finally, we look at um, opportunities and risks, so trying to to have a balanced view of assessing very well what is it that children do, is there enough online content that is suitable for them, suitable in their language, suitable for their age, uh, suitable to create actual real-life opportunities. So this is the third level of inequalities, where you can actually uh, use the digital environment to create some feasible outcomes for you in, in your daily life. Or does it just end by being an online user? So these are all the kind of levels and nuances that we're trying to, to research and find more information about.
0: So particularly with that last level, how do you go about measuring or, or analysing that? Because that seems to me the, probably the trickiest um, aspect because it, it's more making that connection with broader yes. social kind of cultural mm-hmm. stuff going on
1: so we try to um, assess um, a lot of things in relation so when in in the survey for example but also in the qualitative um, element we don't talk to children only about um, their digital lives and what they do online but we also talk to them about their uh, peer relationships um, their community their civic participation the parental support we also have uh, questions on well-being Uh, So how happy are they, and things like this, and with um, some complicated analysis that is still to come from this uh, research, we want to to find out uh, what is the input of the internet in relation to their well-being, for example, Uh, and how how are they influenced by what they do online. Um, Are they building resilience when they face risks? We have questions around resilience and online harm. Uh, and exposure to risk, so we're trying, not to, uh, we're trying to distinguish between actual exposure to risk and harm because these are different. And interestingly, um, children uh, sometimes uh, see certain activities as opportunities uh, that adults might sometimes think of risk, and particularly contacting strangers, what we call strangers, uh, is one example that children often, uh, in the countries that we've researched, see this as an opportunity. Uh, while others, w- adults will be horrified that children are in touch with people they've never met face to face. However, the research also shows that these are not complete strangers, these are usually friends of friends. So it's yeah. just widening their networks, uh, which children see as opportunities. So they would sometimes um, accept people who they've never met face to face. So we're trying to, to see that and measure that. And obviously, the, the qualitative work, so we have tools. Um, uh, focus groups uh, with children um, and with parents as well some of the our partners have done focus groups with parents uh, some of them have worked with a different number of uh, stakeholders um, so this kind of qualitative work also allow us to get a more in-depth understanding of what is the impact on uh, children's everyday life and uh, how do they feel about uh, the internet and inequalities and the opportunities that it can offer.
0: Um, and so. You, you have got some some findings back in some areas. Um, is is there some things which um, maybe are k- kind of surprising about what you're finding, or mm-hmm. you, you you kind of mentioned that um, that issue about kind of risks versus mm-hmm. opportunities, which I think is a really uh, interesting. one. Yes. But I- Is there anything else or any kind of national kind of differences or regional differences?
1: There are significant differences between the countries uh, in terms of uh, what children do, what kind of information they access. For example, uh, children in Serbia access the internet a lot to do with health, uh, while other countries use this much less. Um, so they are particular country contexts that influence what uh, people, children online, uh, do. And by children, I actually didn't explain. We mean um, children aged between 9 and 17 mm-hmm. in that case uh, because of the, the kind of questions that we have in the questionnaire, it's more difficult to address uh, to younger children. So this is the, the, the um, age limit that we've uh, focused on. Uh, so um, surprising findings. Gosh, there's, there's a lot of interesting findings. I don't know what uh, can be surprising anymore <laughs> when it comes to the digital environment. What is interesting for me particularly um, is to to see the extent to which um, the number of skills that children have is not necessarily uh, related to the number of hours they spend online. For example, sometimes children can spend. Um, awful lot of time online but not actually have the more complicated digital skills related to creating online content um, or um, also it varies by country but um, the extent to which children engage uh, in s- you know, civic activities and participatory uh, activities via the internet uh, is quite interesting um, that some countries this is much lower while uh, a general finding is that social media is uh, the most um, popular activity that children do Uh, they like socializing online Um, they like um, using the internet for leisure activities Uh, but when it comes to the a bit more it's kind of complicated uh, kind of things that they could do and use the, the internet for, uh, that's not always happening. And it's linked to uh, children's age, for example, but also um, links to issue related to socioeconomic inequalities. So what kind of devices do you have? Do you have to pay for your internet? How expensive is it for you? Um, and things like that. So the, the barriers have really important impact on the skills that uh, children have. Another interesting finding for me um, is Um, When something wrong happens, uh, when children are exposed to something online that is upsetting, um, what do they do? A large proportion of children do nothing, they just ignore it and move on. Uh, But quite a lot of children actually turn to their friends. So in most of the countries, uh, their peers are the first port of call when it comes to uh, seeking support and then it's actually parents, which for me uh, really talks about the the shifting paradigm that we need to be thinking of children as active agents, of digital citizens uh, who can create opportunities for themselves but also can create a lot of negative contact, but they're actually active users. offer each other support rather than thinking only about educators. Seeking support from teachers uh, and other professionals who work with children is very very low across all the countries that we've done research on. Um, So I think this is quite interesting. The good news is that parents in some countries um, are the, the first portico and I'm thinking about Eastern Europe uh, in relation to that, but mostly friends in all countries is is very high, siblings as well. So I think this leads us to think about children in a a different way when it comes to the digital environment and uh, where do we need to provide the support, who do we need to address things to. So what we're doing now uh, in the Global Kids Online project is actually to create some resources for children that present the findings from these countries in a child-friendly manner and trying to to help children think about uh, the opportunities, the risks, uh, the seeking help uh, practices, uh, and actually um, address them directly via these resources. Then trying to think about educators uh, and parents. Obviously, this is an important route, but if we think about children as a more um, active agents of creating even very negative online content, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of... Um, bullying that happens online and usually this pulling is linked to um, peers uh, from their immediate environment that then filters through uh, the internet. Um, so children can create harmful content for others, for themselves as well. So we need to think about what kind of skills do they need, uh, including social skills in the digital environment. So how to be friendly and and how to be positive in in a digital environment when you don't necessarily see uh, the negative impact on the person that you might have hurt online
0: yeah i think that's really important especially because in a lot of the 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 media representation and discourse uh, around um, children and Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, the digital and online does seem to Present them in a very passive way, as being having things done to them, or the, the negative effects, or, or yes. you know, or even all the positive effects. Uh, sometimes mm. less so, but um, I think that's really important. And the way you seem to be conceptualising it is as a um, uh, sort of that they're active agents, but part of a broader network of a, mm. other actors as well, including yes. parents. And, and and seeing it on that level, I think is really important.
1: Yes, um, the the parental input is very important, and there are different types of um, input and mediation that parents can have um, and the best one is actually that the proactive uh, mediation where parents uh, sit with their children, they discuss the, the opportunities, they help their children, they encourage them to use the internet and this is the best approach when things are discussed including risks and you know helping them and supporting while restrictive mediation where parents actually um, take the mobile away and you're using it too much or look what what's happened uh, this kind of uh, not allowing children to, to do what they want to do online seems to be um, not giving the children um, access to the opportunities and also limiting the the skills that they need to actually accumulate uh, to be competent online users. Um, so parents can have very important input, uh, and this is important. Th- this is why it's uh, you know important to uh, consider that. So part of our I don't know what I mentioned this earlier. So part of our methodology is actually asking questions of parents as well, and then comparing what parents can and cannot do in terms of skills and what they know about. Uh, what happens online, comparing the the children's responses about risks, for example, uh, is another uh, interesting um, finding for me, because in some countries, parents uh, have skills um, that are the same as children aged, for example, 13, 14, but not older. So at some point, children outgrow uh, their parents in terms of skills, Uh, and they're pretty much on their own uh, when it comes to online risks. Um, so it's important to talk to parents about digital skills as well, yeah. and what to uh, what's the best approach to, to talking to, to children about the internet.
0: Um, yeah, and just finally, and, and sort of connecting with that is um, I wanted to ask about I think there's, there's a certain kind of participatory um, yes. aspect to mm-hmm. to the research as well. Um, I was kind of interested in that, and uh, especially that seemed particularly kind of pertinent. For this kind of topic mm-hmm.
1: as well, I think. So, th- the first major contribution of UK Kids Online and Global Kids Online as well is actually we, we want to talk to children, we want to ask children about. Uh, what they're doing rather than talking to their parents. Uh, So this is giving the children voice and opportunity to do that is I think an important step forward uh, when we talk about digital citizenship. Some of our partners have uh, worked with children and uh, used participatory methods, Uh, for example um, recording films uh, with children uh, and talking about Uh, peer-to-peer support uh, in relation to cyberbullying, for example, uh, in relation to sexting, uh, in relation to um, peer support, uh, and so on. So we're trying to, what we're doing now is Uh, We're trying to gather all these uh, good examples and case studies uh, to create part of the the toolkit that's available uh, online that actually shows you how to to reach out uh, to children but other stakeholders as well. So we're building a repository of good case studies and examples uh, and trying to evaluate what strategies work because um, trying to talk to the government sometimes can be very challenging Uh, and what are the best ways and who to contact and uh, thinking about the knowledge exchange and impact um, process not at the dissemination stage but as something that is integrated within the research as well Um, and having children Uh, as part of these projects Um, as well some of our partners I'm thinking about um, Bulgaria for example where I visited recently and uh, did an interview with with my colleagues there Um, they've got a a youth panel um, at the organization who is uh, carrying out the research Um, and these children of very diverse backgrounds and ages contributed to the dissemination of findings and the kind of campaigns that they thought were going to be useful campaigns Uh, the, the fake news is just one of the examples of um, you know what they wanted to focus get dressed is another campaign that they created of uh, trying to um, talk to their peers about the way that you present yourself online and the kind of the importance of um, you know think about the consequences of posting particular type of images um, online
0: that's great and um, thanks so much for talking to me it's been really interesting and um, I'm looking forward to seeing the seeing the project develop um, so
1: um, thanks again. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. No, uh,
0: thanks for talking to me. So we're, we're, we're talking at the LSE, and it's a beautiful sunny day. So I'm going to go and find a, a shady tree to sit under. I think <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll yes. take it somewhere. That would be nice. Do you know okay. bye Thanks. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that and found that interesting. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on Twitter at Chris H. Till. You can find my blog, which is uh, this sociology.blog, and you should be able to get this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes and any other um, podcast apps uh, and um, platforms. The theme music is Welcome to Video Game Island by Mole and the Stings and Incidental uh, music is from Disco Stomp by Jonas78 and they're both used on a Creative Commons license. Next time I'll be talking to Harry Dyer.